Welcome to episode 140 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Heidi ho John. Heidi ho Dirk. Another week, uh, another topic. So this one is something that I'm very interested in, which is the future of work, and in particular, the automation of work. I mean, that's... Dun, dun, dun. Yes, that's what's, that's what's coming for all of us. You can imagine robots and artificial intelligence and uh, a series of computers and software, you know, sort of taking over any number of jobs. And there was a very interesting McKinsey report, uh, at least uh, it was released in November, the interim findings were released, uh, on the four fundamentals of workplace automation. And they had some very interesting things to say, which were unexpected to me. Essentially, there's technologies that can automate roughly 50% of, of uh, work right now, work activities using already demonstrated technology. So this could range from things like Picking objects in a warehouse, Amazon's got the Kiva Robotics, which is a Boston area firm, basically automated the heck out of warehouse picking. So instead of someone going and looking for uh, an item in a warehouse, you've got a robot uh, system that basically brings it to the picker four times as fast. Uh, you know, we've all seen the numerous ads for IBM Watson, right? They've got all sorts of celebrities from Serena Williams uh, to, uh, who knows, uh, appearing with Watson and Watson's like a little self-deprecating so as not to scare the heck out of you. And IBM's really pushing how much Watson can, can be helpful. So all of this automation is coming. And in fact, in, in a lot of ways, it's already here. And so if you find that 50% of your work activities uh, can be automated, there is that other half of the work activities, which, you know, necessarily still require a human being. And what the McKinsey report uh, more or less boiled that down to was that everybody's job is going to change because we're going to have to take in automation into whatever uh, occupations that we currently have. And this doesn't just apply to what you'd think, you know, on the frontline workers, you know, it just applies to folks like that. It applies to, you know, knowledge workers. It applies to CEOs. There's, there's chunks of automation uh, that can be found in the activities of each of those, each of those groups. So I think the future of work, if you believe uh, McKinsey, and, and I, I enjoy their analyses, and uh, I'm looking forward to this final report, I have a feeling that we're all going to be dealing with a bit of automation uh, in our, our future. Dirk, uh, what was your impression of uh, the McKinsey report? So you're right. There's going to be automation all around us in the future. But I, I thought the McKinsey report sucked. Um, oh, no. It was terrible. So they did some – let me start with they did some interesting things. So they broke down automation on the basis of activities, as you pointed out. And that's – that's important because they said, what are the things that automation can take care of? And they rolled up all their totals from that, which is really nice. But what, what they didn't do is bring that down to the impact it will actually have with workers and people in the workplace. And what I mean by that is um, they said, you know, yeah, you know, for these type of people, 30% of their tasks will be able to be automated. Okay, that's great. But 
if you're one of those type of people and 30% of your tasks are automated, what what does that mean? Does that mean there will be 30% less jobs mm-hmm. or does that mean that you will shift to be doing other things but still have a job? Like it wasn't taking that next level of analysis. And so I thought that was really poor because it gave statistics with very little context and didn't give us the information we really want, which is which jobs will be lost, which jobs will be at risk, and or what for my job, how will my job change as a consequence of N percent of my activities being automated and and taken from being something that I can do. So I thought that was very weak. I thought it, it, it represented um, poor analysis and it didn't have the sort of rigor um, and and really deep thinking that that I would hope for. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't keen on it at all, John. I I disagree with that a little bit, just because I I do think that it's it's their sort of preliminary theses, and and I imagine that there may or you know uh, to your point may not be uh, that sort of information in the final report. I did. There better be. There better be. (laughs) I I did take away this that, um, you know, if if some portion of your job is automated, it does free you up uh, to do, you know, higher value activities, which uh, in this uh, report were classified, you know, as those creative activities of which there aren't, uh, you know, uh, there, there isn't a lot of creative activity right now. Um, in the American economy, according to this report. Now, I... Compared to what, though? Compared to what? Compared to the, uh, you know, of course, compared to all of the rote things that we have to do every day, right? So so there's there's some percentage that they're classifying as creative activities only, right? Um, And and you and I have have, uh, design-related jobs, but I know we have a ton of rote uh, kind of activities that that we have to do from you know if you're looking over a contract or if you're scheduling an appointment or or any of these things. You're gonna trust the automaton to review your contracts, John? I, I sure hope so. <laughs> that would be a big that would be a big uh, help if Watson could come in and look at at design contracts for yes, me. Yes, it would. So the the hopeful note, which is you know I'm beginning to see. Uh, uh, how, how you and I sort of parse things differently. The hopeful note that 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 I took away was that there would be more room for creative, high value activities, uh, and 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 that that would increase the meaningfulness of, John, our, of our jobs. Oh, John, you are assuming that CEO focused on profits, focused on the bottom line, focused on Wall Street will translate the newfound freedom and availability of the staff into redirecting them to creative pursuits as opposed to chopping their freaking heads off and getting costs down in order to make the bottom line look better and make the street happy with them. Uh, I I think that they're going to take the latter. I think that they're going to go for efficiency. I mean, maybe in 20 years, cultures will change so that there will be this creative renaissance but in the three to five years you know stipulated in the mckinsey report Mm -hmm. that ain't gonna happen we're still backward short-term greedy idiotic thinkers and that's not going to change that fast you are on fire today sir i'm i'm calling it like i see it john so so i do think that you know we've we've gone through a number of you know industrial and information revolutions there have always been 
uh, sort of new jobs that uh, resulted or, you know, jobs that have changed uh, as a result of, of new technologies. That's so true. so I'm I'm anticipating that there will be a whole set of, you know, new activities, whether they're more on the creative side or, you know, whether they're uh, uh, more rote work. I don't know. But, I think it's more likely to be service work. I mm. think that I think that a lot of this depends on the socioeconomic factors and whether the wealthy use all of this that's happening as a lever to allow people to opt out of the full 40-hour work week or mm-hmm. not, right? However, I think I think the most likely outcome is one where services are much more prevalent, where things like um, massages, mm-hmm. things like um, life coaches, therapists – these things become more prevalent because we start to move into roles of human to human um, enhancement, so to speak. You know, uh, healthcare, health and wellness, um, in 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 some ways, are going to really accelerate. Even as um, a lot of the tasks that say the traditional doctor had mm-hmm. are becoming automated and and taken over. So I actually think it's a little different vector where where we're going to go in in the longer time horizon. Yeah, I, I, I like that analysis. I think there's an opportunity then for, uh, you, you know, for, for people putting together companies for, for the leadership of, you know, whether it's a technology firm or not, uh, to identify uh, the possibilities for meaningful work, right? So, so, so what, what we're saying is, uh, what, what you're saying is, you know, uh, given, you know, the market forces that currently exist, you're skeptical that you know that that CEOs will focus on meaningful work uh, as as sort of the core value, market and, forces and the state of the human animal. Mm-hmm. So so my counter would be that if if you have uh, folks who are starting companies explicitly for the creation of meaningful work, that you know you you will have that counterweight there. So. I don't know, you know, who those entrepreneurs will be, but my guess is that that millennials especially are interested in meaningful work. And, uh, and I'm just and as I interested in meaningful work as any millennial. Sure. I, I, I'm just uh, uh, pointing out that it's possible that uh, folks could also be interested in creating meaningful jobs for other people. It's also going to be a huge political problem, right? So you can't have... Uh, a, a lot of folks doing work that is entirely uh, meaningless or or unfulfilling because then you're going to have a highly unsatisfied population earning not that much money. So so from a political standpoint, there's there's also that uh, that element there. And I, I don't know whether that results in, uh, you know, new new kinds of workers unions, new types of regulation uh, uh New elements that that I'm not even thinking of, but but I do think that there will be be pushback, and of course the uh, ever present fear of of technology and automation, which should uh, unfortunately uh, start coming to the fore sooner than uh, rather than later. Yeah, that's right. So I think from uh, you know from from the perspective that this this report is incomplete, I. I, I was fascinated with with the McKinsey findings, mainly, you know, once again, that this is happening so much faster than than I anticipated any of it would. So if, if you told me four years ago that that we'd be discussing 
you know, the automation of work and, and let's apply it to the design field. I mean, you, you see uh, software now that, that proclaims that it can automate the sort of the design of websites based on sort of the, the uh, most important, uh, most viable content, right? So, you know, just 15 years ago, uh, creating a website was like, you know, you, you, you were uh, uh, stamping money, right? And, and to, to see that as a shift to, uh, you know, an automated job where, you know, that, that no longer has that high value, that's, that's a, a wake-up call for me anyway, just to see something that I thought was so secure, which is knowledge work and design, and to see the possibility, even the looming possibility of automation. Dirk, you know, how, how do you, you know, look at this uh, looming automation and, and what, what do you think your reaction is going to be to it? Yeah, a lot of it depends on the direction that it goes, you know, how the people in power manifest it and have it, have it impacting the society. But at a, at a, at a more abstract level, I mean, it's just creating efficiencies, right? So if we go back 15 years when you could get a lot of money for making websites, it, it, was, it was inefficiency that allowed that to happen. And what I mean is um, there, there wasn't a common shared understanding of in a company's website what it's trying to achieve, the best way to structure it to achieve it, how the technology, you know, from the standpoint of like the front end engineering should manifest. I mean, going back to, you know, Zeldman stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was, it was all spaghetti back then. Um, but there were, there were sort of objectively correct answers to those things, but they weren't dogma. They weren't broadly understood. And so, you know, people were kind of fumbling their way through. Once those things became clear and in the minds of more and more people, I mean, it was only natural that as that, as the web sort of standardized and, and reached a point of, of maturity and, and more broad understanding that that can then be taken into, you know, if then statements to identify sure. it out. Um, and I think that's a good, um, I think that's a good example as we look forward. It's what are the things that are pretty well understood? What are the things that aren't requiring, you know, wicked innovation, super creative stuff it's it's those things that are very eins zwei eins zwei that are most ripe for automation, similar to you know what has happened with website design. Right. So I guess the tip would be look look for areas uh, that require creativity and exploration, and try to stay away from areas that are well you know have well understood frameworks and are more likely to be automated. You and know. definitely look look at things that are crossing boundaries, right? Um, you, you know, I mean, even like fields of engineering, a single narrow field of engineering is pretty well known. There's a body of knowledge there. And so the the possibility that that can become something that's automated and computers can be replacing engineers is is increasingly likely as the technology right. is improving. What is going to be much harder and take a much longer time to do is crossing streams so your electrical engineering with your biology for example Mm -hmm. it's going to be a hell of a long time before machines are able to do the kind of creative thinking work that people do in things that go across those two but the more narrow will will happen pretty quickly much more quickly than people people want to think yeah i i 
you know, I, I can only imagine if you're not tuned into these things, how, uh, how scary it, it, it's going to be because, you know, it, it frightens me and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sort of expecting it. Right. So, you know what, John, none of this frightens me and I'll, t- I'll tell you why, you know, um, like I think probably everyone who's listening to this show, you know, I'm, I'm well-educated, I'm, I'm fairly intelligent. And so if the world would ever get to the point that I'm fucked, um, then everybody's fucked, I think. So I'm fine, you know, it's like, I don't think we're going to get to the point where everybody's fucked. And so I'm going to be okay. And so it doesn't scare me whatsoever. I'm just kind of watching it come and I'll continue to work hard and be curious and participate. And uh, I think things are going to work out just fine. Yeah, well, that's a positive note to end on today. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward, if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios which you can check out at goinvo.com, G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at dnemeyer, that's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R, or email me, Dirk, at goinvo.com. So that's it for episode 140 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>